Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. California is aging faster than the rest of the country. And during these past few months, we've learned that older people living in assisted homes are extremely vulnerable to the coronavirus. On top of that, now we're heading into wildfire season. So if we're going to keep people safe, we're going to need to deal with multiple emergencies at the same time. We're going to have a lot of folks who are older living potentially in harm's way. And everything we know is that no one's making special decisions to do anything a little bit differently. Assisted living homes are supposed to have plans for things like fires and pandemics. But many of these facilities aren't as prepared as they should be for even one of these disasters, let alone when all the bad stuff happens at once. Today, what one fire in Fairfield can tell us about the vulnerability of senior care homes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit Donate kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Two years ago today, there was a fire near Fairfield. This is Molly Peterson. She's a reporter for KQED Science. There's this wide open grass that is not far from the freeway and the fire caught in there. They still don't know how. It threatened a senior living community in one direction and a group of homes in another direction. The backside of Peabody. As the winds shifted, it blew the fire over this ridge, over this hillside, towards these homes in a development on the uh, Fairfield-Vallejo border. 
that's where this residential community for the elderly is. It's a facility, but it just looks like a home from the outside, and it's called Loving Place. And what happened to those residents? So the fire's coming towards this neighborhood. Uh, there's an evacuation order called because after the North Bay fires, uh, local authorities weren't messing around. And so if a fire started headed toward residential neighborhoods, they told people to get out. Like the hill is where it started coming down close to the houses. And that's where we had the, they had to start evacuating those homes. I spoke to Lisa Romero. She is a nurse who works in a hospital, but knew that there were older people over by Hancock Drive. Um, Oh my gosh, it's headed towards Peabody. And from taking care of patients, I knew there were a lot of elderly and some homes that lived in that area. She was getting gas and she had stopped at a memorial for a CHP officer who had died that day on the road. And, you know, she knew she saw the fire and she knew that there were people in this area who might need help. So she drove over to Hancock Drive. And that's how she encountered the man who was on duty at Loving Place. I just um, exchanged a few words with him and he told me, he said, I have a lot of residents inside. I only, you know, I have my car. I'm going to have to get them in. Some of them uh, are not ambulatory. She flagged down a police car and had the police car call 911 to bring an ambulance to the area. We waited for the ambulance. And when the ambulance came, we started loading the patients up. And I believe he even put one of the patients in his car. And you can see the fire and the flames within the trees and behind the homes. The evacuation took people to Fairfield High School, where there were no cots, people, you know, there was no place for them to rest. And it was only because an advocate came upon them that they ended up having a bed to sleep in that night. A lot of times we think about what do we do if there's a fire in the home or in the facility or in the building, but we don't plan for what if there's a fire outside. And do, because... All these assisted living places are supposed to have, you know, policies and procedures in place for for evacuations like this. Do you have any idea if the staff at Loving Place followed the right procedures for getting people out of there? We know from a complaint investigation that Loving Place had an emergency plan. That's what the state says. But the facility staff didn't follow the plan and they weren't able to uh drive. Um, They weren't able to arrange transportation under the emergency plan. And they didn't really know what the practices were during the emergency. And that's why they had to call for help from Lisa Romero and another person off the street. We've looked at evacuations and fires and rescues all around the state. And we always tell this as a heroic story, right? That People came in and helped and got these people out at the last minute. But in this case, we know there was a plan and it wasn't followed. And that's the problem. For the last few months, Molly, along with KQED journalists April Demboski, Danielle Fenton, and Lisa Pickoff-White, plus Lo Benishu from CalMatters, have been looking into the risks related to fire for people who are older, disabled, or who live in care homes. They were working on this project before the pandemic started. And now that we're dealing with COVID and wildfire season, it's even more important that we figure out how to keep people safe. Do you know how many 
you know, how common it is to have a small assisted living facility home where there's technically a plan, but the plan is hard to execute for whatever reason, doesn't really happen. We don't know that for a couple of reasons. The Department of Social Services, the community care licensing folks at the state, um, don't it is not their goal, they say openly, it is not their goal to give deficiencies for facilities when they don't have good emergency plans. So when we spent a lot of time analyzing and investigating records, we found that just 3% of facilities statewide have gotten in trouble over having a deficient emergency plan or training. And that's under new rules that were strengthened after the North Bay fire. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, you know, nobody really adds this up. I, when you talk to long-term care ombudsmen who are advocates for people living in these facilities, when you talk to emergency managers at counties in the North Bay in particular, but all around the Bay Area, they say that's their worry, is that facilities call 911 when they don't have enough resources. But we can make no guarantees. We cannot guarantee public safety in the event of a catastrophic disaster event. Christopher Godley is the Director of Emergency Management in Sonoma County. And in Sonoma County, um, we found at KQED that more than 70% of the land is at risk and more than 70% of the facilities are at risk. And um, so when we talked to Chris Godley, he said that there's a lot of expectation on counties, more than there used to be. Well, we've seen several trends come together at once, the change in our society. People are living longer. They're living more independently. Technology has enabled people to live in different areas. We're seeing climate change induced weather challenges like wildfire storms that we've never seen before. And so it's creating real strains on local government and public safety and their ability to support and make safe our communities. But it also needs to be reconciled with the change in expectations. We've talked before about your reporting. I, I know you've reported a lot on assisted living facilities, home care, nursing homes, which are all kind of different. But what are the things that the people in these care homes, in these assisted living facilities, uh, what are the things that makes them vulnerable during this wildfire season? We looked at where there are high-risk fire zones, and we looked at where the wildland urban interface is, which is a scientific term for the land where the wildlands meet urban sprawl, because a lot of fires start there as well. Um, so the geography makes people vulnerable. But more than that, their physical conditions make them vulnerable. So as people get older, their uh, physical defenses to particulate uh, pollution, to smoke pollution, uh, are diminished. And then there's the stress, both psychological and on your body. They're vulnerable because there are systems that are supposed to be in place to protect them. There are rules that guide these care homes, whether they're healthcare facilities like nursing homes or if they're not, like normal assisted livings, like Loving Place. Everyone's supposed to have an emergency plan. Everyone's supposed to train their staff on the plan. Everyone's supposed to drill their staff on the plan. And regulators are supposed to check up on that. I was going to say, so, so, so who are these regulators? Who's responsible for making sure that there's a solid, safe plan for evacuating at each of these places? At Loving Place, the regulators are the Community Care Licensing Division of the Department of Social Services. They want to collaborate 
with care providers. And they say that for a couple of reasons. One, California is getting older and getting older faster than the rest of the country. So that's one reason. Seniors may not have a lot of money. So closing homes may leave low-income seniors out in the lurch. And there's a very real concern that we may run out of this kind of housing in the long term. So the way this regulator has chosen to handle all of those social factors is by collaborating with providers rather than writing them up for deficiencies and fines and enforcement. Why do you feel like this story is so important right now? We've all been covering fires more in Northern California for the last several years. When I was driving around Paradise, I saw, and you might have seen it too, these abandoned wheelchairs and walkers. It's something that I remember, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I remember it from covering St. Rita's in uh, Louisiana after Katrina. This idea that we had to leave people in such a hurry that we couldn't have the equipment that, that they use to be mobile and to be safe on a day-to-day basis with them. And so I started to think about that and I hadn't really checked into the idea that California is getting older faster than the rest of the country. We're going to have, not just in these long-term care homes, but a lot of folks who are older living potentially in harm's way. And everything we know is that no one's making special decisions to do anything a little bit differently. It seems like just a really basic thing is to have a solid, clear plan for for all of these homes and the people who are at risk. Do you feel like we have that in the Bay Area right now? What I think is true is that it's really hard to say if you go from facility to facility who's ready and who's not because from the public records we have and from what we know about how regulators check up on these plans, it's a really conflicting and murky picture about how well any individual facility is planned. That said, there's a lot of evidence that more people are on alert because of these fires in the last several years. And especially also because of the public safety power shutoffs, which raise a concern for folks who are older and disabled and rely on equipment to stay alive and stay healthy. You know, we talk about people as vulnerable. The people at the state emergency services, at county emergency services, call people vulnerable. But there are all these systems that, when they work well, protect all of us against disasters. Healthcare, transportation, communication systems, and emergency systems for nursing homes. And when these systems work well, they protect everybody. And when they don't work well, the systems themselves are the vulnerable ones. This whole week, there's going to be a lot of reporting about this. This is like one of the several stories that you'll all be publishing. What do you hope comes of of highlighting the problems that exist in our current system and the reporting that you're all doing? This is a really hard story to tell right now because we know that everyone is exhausted and stressed and threatened every day by the disaster we're going through, this pandemic. And I think... There are so many opportunities to think about solutions at a really local scale to a really big scale. There are so many ways that we can just see each other and the systems that we exist in and make and change ourselves differently. 
I just hope people talk more about those possibilities. There are specific pieces of legislation that are coming up that would strengthen some requirements for emergency preparedness in California. Um, there is also, at the same time, a risk at the federal level of loosening requirements on nursing homes. There's a lot of lobbying about that at the national level. So I hope we can inform people who might choose to live in a facility like this, or family members who might have somebody living in a place like this, because there's always another fire around the corner. KQED has made a guide for people who have family members in long-term care or who are considering long-term care. The guide offers questions that people can ask to be prepared in the event of an emergency like a wildfire or pandemic or both. We'll leave you a link to that guide in our show notes. And this whole week, KQED is going to be publishing stories about wildfire vulnerability for long-term care homes and how that's going to play out during the coronavirus. We'll also leave you a link to that series. Molly Peterson is a reporter with KQED Science. Thanks also to Lisa Romero for that audio that you heard at the beginning of the episode. Molly reached out to Loving Place for comment, but she hasn't heard back. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We are from your public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Until next time. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.